This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. Welcome to Short-Term Rental Management. It is an honor to be here. I appreciate you for uh, hanging. I know you have a lot of options and uh, you have chosen wisely. Long-haired Luke, Airbnb, Cashflow Carl, the shaman of short term. Uh, it, it is uh, it is an honor. It's a privilege to be here. And uh, I've got my man, Josh. This guy's awesome. He's a professional property manager in upstate New York. Uh, I apologize in advance. There is a little bit of a connection issue here. He was recording this from one of his properties. Uh, a little bit choppy at times. We did uh, figure it out towards the end there. But uh, just want to let you know, apologize always with the utmost professionalism here at short-term rental management a little choppy here and there but uh, without further ado let's get to today's sponsor this episode of the short-term show is brought to you by the short-term shop if you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in america just go to the shop.com and click get connected with an agent if you purchase a home with the shop You'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Burbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to the shorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by EXP or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. Here we go. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, short-term rental management. I've got a professional uh, third-party property manager on the show today. My dude, Josh. Uh, Josh, how you doing, man? I'm great. I appreciate you having me on. It's pretty cool. It's my pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. You're in Rochester, New York, but uh, talk to me uh, specifically about where you where you live and uh, and your your area in general. So yeah, Rochester is the closest uh, MSA or Metropolitan Statistical Area to where I'm at. But I actually live in Canandaigua. So the area that we're really focused on offering our services is, is the Finger Lakes in upstate New York, um, which is just a series of I want to say it's eleven lakes. I'm not positive. Uh, the ones we're really focused on is like Canandaigua, Skinny Atlas, Seneca, Cayuga. Um, those are kind of the big ones. Okay, great. And are these so? This is a vacation type area. Um, a lot of folks are coming here to stay in these houses from other areas to spend their actual vacation. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. The Finger Lakes is it, it, it's dope, man. It's it's really kind of like, you know, I was talking to a guy that's been investing in the area for like forty years, literally. And he was talking about how he had lived in Napa Valley in California. And then he came back. He grew up in the Finger Lakes, went to Napa Valley for like 10, 15 years, came back to the Finger Lakes. And he came back and he started seeing limos and all these big wineries and breweries. And he's like, damn, what's going on here? And he started buying stuff up. He's got a big portfolio, a couple of motels. But it's really like if we talk about like seasonality in the short term rental game, it has a lot to offer. I mean, it's lakes, so you get summer. It's upstate New York, so you get fall. It's got spring. It's got wineries. It's got breweries. Um, it's a really beautiful region. Tons of small towns. All the Finger Lakes have little towns at the tips of them. Uh, Penyan, Hammondsport, where I live, Canandaigua, that are really quaint. They have shops, restaurants, food scenes. Uh, it's a dope spot, man. I love it. I love living here. 
where are these folks coming from to go on vacation? Just all over the city or where? All over. I mean, um, yeah. So, I mean, one of the big metrics that I look for in an area that I want to invest or manage is as MSAs or metropolitan statistical areas. So, I mean, the drivability is great. We got New York City, we got Syracuse, we got Rochester, we got Buffalo. Um, so there's a lot of densely populated areas all around the Finger Lakes, and it's a six-hour drive from any direction. So, you know, some of the people are driving, some of the people are flying. We get a lot of people that if you drive along Canandaigua Lake in the winter, like I do all the time, because we, we rent our places out in the winter, you see multi-million dollar mansions just sitting there not being used because they're in Florida in the winter, you know? So it's, people are coming from all over really. Um, depends on what lake, what time of the year, what area, all that. And they call them finger lakes because they literally look like fingers, yeah? Yeah, so one of our claim to fames is uh, Hunter Biden famously has it tattooed on his back. So um, it's a, it's just like a it's like a series of five finger lakes that, that kind of, you know, looks like fingers. So. And how do I are they, how big are these lakes? Like, can I I can get a boat out on us? So obviously, Seneca I think oh, is the bigger one. Yeah, they're real big. I mean, like Seneca, Seneca is the deepest, I believe. But they're, I mean, some like forty five miles long. I want to say Canandaigua from the city all the way into Naples is probably like 35, 45 miles long. Some of them longer, deep, great fishing, tons of stuff to do. Um, okay, great, cool. Cool. And you mentioned wintertime. So uh, you, you said you do rent yours in the wintertime. What is the seasonality like? Obviously, this is a cold area. At least I'm in Florida. So that anything up here is going to be cold to me. You're right next to Canada. So what, yeah, yeah. what, what is the seasonality? It's, it sucks. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> in the it's, cold, yeah. Um, the guests tend to be a lot more difficult, which is odd because they're getting the spaces three to four times cheaper than they would during summer, sometimes more. Um, but tend to have much higher expectations. Um, it's hard work. There's a reason why a lot of like the long established vacation rental management companies in this area don't rent in the off season because it, it sucks. But I don't know if you're familiar with like atomic habits, but I'm kind of all about the law of marginal gains. And it's just, it's one of those one or 2% gains I can get my clients. And if I can stack up six or seven wins, I'm almost covering my fee as, as a manager, you know, at my 20% tier. So we do it because if you drag it out throughout the duration of a year, it's, it brings value. But if you're asking how it is financially or as a manager, it's, it's terrible. We don't, we make no money uh, for the most part. And it's, it's hard work, you know, in, things are always going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Furnaces, yeah. water lines, snow. Uh, bad gas. Yeah. It's, it's snow difficult. removal. You got to get the snow out of there, I guess. Oh yeah. 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 So in the wintertime, uh, are you talking like, I don't know, one or two bookings a month or what does that look like? So it depends. Like, so we are a newer company. Like my partner and I have been investing in short-term rentals and long-term rentals for, you know, 15 years combined. Um, but the management thing, we're coming up on a year. We, we just wanted a way to scale really quickly, right? Um, so we're still kind of gathering our data as to best practices in each little individual location. But... What we're really starting to find is that we can maintain 30 to 40% occupancy rates, sometimes over 50%, depending on the area, if, if we have the right uh, amalgam of amenities available to guests. One of them obviously being hot tubs. Hot tubs equate to a lot more bookings, especially in the off season. Um, hospitals and schools, like upstate New York has a lot of hospitals and a lot of schools. And if you can get 
one of these vacation rentals in the right spots in the summertime, let's say it's a 12 person maximum occupancy and everybody's there to party and go swimming and go out in the boat. And the off season, I can throw locks on all those doors and do room sharing and get either students or traveling nurses in there. So it, it, kind of my goal, I want to sustain, right? Like I want to cover my clients overhead in the off season, give them a check. If, if, if your carrying cost is 2,500 bucks a month, my goal is to make you 2,500 bucks a month in that shitty time of the year. And then we'll bank come season, right? Right. Um, okay. So yeah. So in the summertime, you're, you're jam-packed all, all summer, like four or five months yeah. of nonstop. Is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, again, it, it varies uh, depending on the area we're in. But yeah, it's 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 not hard to sell these places during the summer. That's that's the easy part. Okay, cool. And uh, and so you let's talk about your portfolio here. Uh, you did you what was like with your very first property? Was that long term or was it short term or how did that go down? So a little bit of a background on me, like upstate New York is actually kind of like rural in a lot of areas. And I grew up like around a lot of farms and I was always working farms, doing landscaping and eventually got a couple of degrees. I became a teacher and I was like, damn, what am I going to do with all my off time? Because it just didn't feel like work to me. Right. Where it just it's like 35 hours a week or whatever. I'm like, well, I got another 35 hours a week to work. So I bought a house to flip, started getting into flips. Uh, I flipped my way into what's now my primary residence. I built two apartments on site. So I have a 600 square foot apartment above my garage. And then I have a like a 1200 square foot apartment in my basement. Um, and I started short term rentals. And I was like, oh, this works. So I bought a couple cabins. And then uh, we were going to kind of local meetups in the Rochester area before COVID. And I was at that time, I was the only guy there talking about short term rentals, except one other guy, right? Now it's like a thing. But yeah. before it was, this is probably like years before COVID, it wasn't a thing. You know, well, I would say I want to be a short term rental it, it, I'm sure it was a thing because you're in a vacation area. It's just it wasn't uh I guess maybe popular or like uh modern or like like the kids weren't talking about it. Or like in other words, they were probably all with like old school property managers and nobody really talked about it. Is that what it was? Or yeah, yeah I would say so. Like there's definitely a long standing history of short term rentals where I'm at. Yeah. But I'm going into the city for meetups in Rochester, right? Like nobody's having like a Finger Lakes real estate meetup. Now we I do, see. but I got you. when I'm going into Rochester, yeah. So there'd be 50 people there, and they're all commercial real estate, flip for free, like all these different things they're doing. But short-term rentals wasn't really anybody's list, except me and who's now my business partner. He heard me mentioning short-term rentals, reached out to me, and we uh, bought a cabin together, and then we started a management company together. So that's kind of the, the quick story of of how I got started. Okay, cool. So the two the cat. All right. So you got the two. Uh, I guess uh, you know long terms on your own property, which is really cool. Those the people who are living in those, or you're short term in those. So right now I'm doing traveling nurses in both. In the apartment above the garage in the basement. Yeah, okay. the apartment above the garage. I'll I'll make it a short term rental eventually, but um, it, it's really nice. It's it's professionally designed. It's great. I spent a lot of money on it, but the. Uh, the financial incentives are kind of favoring the traveling nurses right now. So that's the direction I'm going. Okay. And, uh, and then the, the cabin, talk to me about that. It, this was on one of the lakes or close to one of the lakes. So it's right off of a lake called honey Oil Lake. And to be honest with you, we've owned it for like 14 or 15 months and it's still not up and running. We just got so inundated with business from vibe that we flipped this thing. It was a really complicated space. Like it needs solar, we had to have a well dug, like it was basically a shell, a cabin shell. Um, but it refined great. Like we pulled all of our money back out of the deal. It'll rent great. We have good historical data on the area. 
we are just waiting to get the solar up and then we're going to rent it. And I have two, two cabins that I own in Naples, New York, that are glorified sheds that I just flipped through, re-insulated drywalled, made them quaint. I did them both for under a hundred grand. Um, they do great. Uh, the first cabin yeah. is still under, is still being remodeled and it's not being rented yet. No, we're okay, getting cool. solar up on it. Okay, cool. And then after that, you you bought another a couple of shacks. You called them, and are are those for rent yet, or or not? Yeah, they've been renting for a while. Okay, cool. So in this process, you got good at this, basically, and then you started a property management company. Where how does that uh, fall into the into the, the like, like timeline? So yeah, basically, like the last four years, we have nine doors throughout the Finger Lakes area. Then we got forty four LTRs throughout the Midwest. And as we're doing this short-term rental investing- Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. 44 long-term rentals in the Midwest. Where are those and what are they? I have a very small portion of uh, finances tied up in this one. It's Illinois. So one of them is a 40-unit uh, apartment complex. Okay. My business partner is much more involved in the LTR investing. I just threw a little cash in there with um, the the promise I could be as hands-off as possible. Is it a, syndica is it a syndication or- it's. I don't believe so. No, okay. no. I, me, him, yeah, I don't. I just collect my paycheck when it's time. I haven't collected a paycheck yet, but hopefully well, it's coming. I know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. All right. So I'm more PR focused. So the, the thing started ramping up and then at a certain point you said, you know what? I need to start managing other people's properties. Is that kind of how it went down or talk, talk to me yeah, about I, the creation of the management company? Yeah. So really what it comes down to is the scale just... I don't want to listen. I'm I'm not the type of dude that when I'm 50, I'll own 30 doors and half of them will be paid off. And I'll retire. like, I'm not that guy, man. Like, I want it now. Like, I want to go. Yeah. Let's go right. And I'm sitting here doing two measly deals a year. I gotta I gotta find something I can burr. I gotta get my money back out of the deal. I'm not made of money, you know. Um, right. I'm like, how can I scale as quickly as possible in a, a way that's efficacious and and also in line with some trends I see coming economically. And I looked around and I'm like, property management, man, short-term rental management. I didn't feel like the, the short-term rental managers in the area were, they were leaving a lot to be desired. Yeah, they're old so school. I thought it was a space that I could, old school, man, surviving on kind of an older reputation, I think, um, not at all innovative or using new tools and technology. My whole problem is though, I'm not like a tech guy. So I, I really wanted to partner with somebody that could handle the back end so I can handle the front end. Um, partnered with uh, my business partner and, and here we are, man. We're, uh, once we get everything that we have in the back burner online, we'll be at about 40 properties we manage. And we haven't even hit our year, our first year in business. Okay, great, first that's great. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of people go through a similar thing where they're like, "Man, I really, I'm digging this real estate thing. I'm having a great time, but uh, it's a slow, get rich slow. So how do I, you know, I already know how to do the manage a property. I've been doing it with my own properties, and I think there's a lot of people that they, they, they're like, oh, let me do the try this co-host thing. But to me, co-hosting is basically being a property manager, but not doing it like you know legit, and then. Uh, and yeah. then, so you just took it one step further and started a, a, a legit company and, uh, and brought mm -hmm. on other people's, uh, properties. Uh, how are, how are you finding clients? Uh, how are you advertising? So kind of like I sat down with my business partner and I, I think partnerships have an intrinsic value. Some people want to go solo on everything. That's great. Somebody like me, I, I just don't want to do things. I'm not good at. I'm over it, man. I'm 33. 
I know where to hone in my skill set and I know where my skill set isn't. Um, so I thought a skill set that I could bring to the table was kind of social media and marketing. And I thought doing a Facebook group would make a lot of sense. So I started a Facebook group, Upstate New York Airbnb Investors, about a little over a year ago. And we got like 9,000 people in there. Um, and that sources me a ton of deals in the area. And it's allowed me to kind of become a, a leader in the space and somebody that people look to and ask questions to. And I, I'm very careful with my reputation, you know, like people trust me um, right. and know right by them. So I get the phone calls and uh, that's been the number one way we get business through social Absolutely. media. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you got, first of all, you were first to the Facebook group space, it sounds like in your market, which is huge and 9,000 in a, in a really what's, you know, kind of a smaller area uh, is huge. That's a lot of people. So, uh, bravo. That's, that's great. And, and I'm sure you're also in there, you know, giving good, good feedback and good answers to people when they're asking questions and that, that goes a long way. Yeah, man, I'm trying, I'm just trying to be is, you know, um, I want to, I want it to be a good space for people to come of any level. You know, if you're a beginner, you're moderate, you're expert, no matter what, I want you to be able to come here and get some type of value. I don't want people to see my face blabbing on about, Vibe short-term rental management every other day. I don't do that shit. Um, I'll Which throw is my the name of the company, by the way. Your name of your management company is Vibe. Yeah, Vibe, yeah. Okay, cool. Is the goal to take the uh, income from the management company and buy more properties? Uh, wh where do you see yourself in 10 years, I guess? I, 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 so not, with, at yeah. the lack of, at the risk of sounding like we're on a date here. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> where do you find yourself in, uh, what's the goal, you know, long-term? Yeah, you're damn skippy. That's long-term goal. That's exactly <laughs> it, man. It's uh, you know, the 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 best investors I know in this space in my region have some type of service-related business, whether it be HVAC, construction, whatever the f it is, they have some type of business, and then they just buy up a ton of crap. And I was like, I can do the slow burn. I can get my one or two deals a year, or I can focus all my energy into my property management. I can build equity in that company, you know. And that that's the thing a lot of people don't realize, like. Like, oh, there's no equity in this. Like, yes, there is. Those, uh -huh. those contracts are worth money. They're they're valuable. And the business has value. It's not, it's not an arbitrage business. An arbitrage right. business, it is a property management business that's centralized in a given location with a longstanding history of rentals. So I have, I have no intentions on selling, but I'm building something that has intrinsic value. Right. Every time money goes into the bank, they'll lend you 20% of the gross. Like, they don't care that it's all, it's coming in, then it's going out. They, just, they see the money coming in and, and they'll, they'll lend on it. So yeah, it's a long answer of saying, yes, like the, the business will fund the short-term rentals in the future. And instead of nickel and diamond away at all these places that I'm not even that passionate about, I can do something real big because now I have the money to actually back it up and it's mine, you know? Yeah, that's something that a lot of folks don't realize. You know, they, people... A lot of a lot of people they they buy two or three properties you know short term put them on the on Verbo and everything Airbnb and and a lot of times they they think that because the properties rent for X amount of money it makes the uh, entire package worth more money and that if you own the properties and you're just trying to sell these single family homes that's not the case it doesn't really matter what they rent for but if you own your properties and rent them with your property management company and then also rent other people's properties, you've got two different businesses then. Then you have the the asset, which is worth what it's worth based on residential comps. 
And then you also have this management company that is making money off of the management of your own properties. And then you can add other people's properties to that fire. Then you've got basically two different things that you could sell if you if you want to do it that way. Um, and it sounds to me like you're you're doing exactly that, only kind of more focused right now, which I think is is the right thing to do on Vibe, and 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 uh, and and focusing on that asset. And then at a certain point, you get to maybe the maybe your EBITDA is looking pretty good, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll sell the company and take that and buy more uh, rentals. The sky's the limit. This episode is brought to you by the Premier Short-Term Rental Facebook Group. Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. We have nearly 50,000 members. This is the biggest independently owned and operated SCR Facebook group, and it has been curated by yours truly, Cashflow Carl. Join us on Facebook. Search the groups for Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. That's Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth on Facebook. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, you know, the way I looked at it is like, we're already doing this. Like if we're being honest with ourselves and we're saying we're doing this right, then why can't I apply these same systems to other people's properties? Cause I'm not going to deliver a bad product. That's something I refuse to do. I'll be right. broke before I do that. Um, so it's like, I already have to buy all these things. I have to buy all the tech. I have to learn all these systems. I have to hire all these cleaners. I have to do all these things. Let's just do management too, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's been going real good, man. Yeah, that's great, man. You're really, I mean, it's the first of the space case, real, in my outsider's perspective, because, you know, you probably really at this point don't really have much competition in your market uh, that even knows how to use a management software, or they're probably doing like old school spreadsheets and are handwriting all this stuff in a, in a book somewhere. And um, and so, so good for you. That's, that's wonderful. Let's talk about your systems. Uh, what are you using to manage, uh, uh, you know, what, what softwares are you using and, and are you using platforms or are you just your own website, et cetera? So we, we, if there is a tool in this space that can bring value, like we pay for it, like we have. So our, our main PMS is hostly, um, we like that works pretty well. No yeah, Breezeway, we're onboarding right now, which is like a right. three-month process, by the way. No um, yep. <laughs> we just need more accountability for our cleaners and maintenance concerns, and it's just hopefully isn't enough to manage that. Uh, we also pay for nationwide AirDNA, so you know we always have our data scraping software. Um, rank Breeze, we always have, because I, I don't know about you, Luke, but especially right now, We've had market saturation. We've had supply meet demand. COVID is over. This market has changed. I've talked to a couple of people like, oh yeah, all my bookings are exactly the same. Like, good for you. Mine aren't. And nobody I talk to has exactly the same bookings that they had two and three and four years ago, for the most part, unless they're in like just a super hot spot. So I want to be able to show my clients data when they have concerns. I don't want it to be like, don't worry, you're fine. You know, we'll get them next month. You know, like I want to be able to show you concrete data that indicates exactly how you are um, performing relative to comps in your area. So when I get client concerns, we've never had a situation where we don't pull up the rank breeze and the Airbnb insights and all this stuff. And we can't say, look, like your page one, rank two in this search criteria, in this search criteria, according to your insights, your conversion rates at a, a, a 0.25 or whatever, like whatever's acceptable. Um, so yeah, that's why we use that data. Um, and then in terms of, Booking platforms, we book everywhere that's that's relevant. So the, the three big ones, obviously, Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com. We have our own direct booking uh, site. 
We have uh, another Facebook group, Upstate New York Airbnbs by owner with uh-huh. 2.5K people in it. Doing it right. There. Yeah, man. Doing it so right. We got two uh, virtual assistants, really uh, great girls from the Philippines that work very hard. And they scour Facebook groups for us and respond to relevant inquiries with our properties and post our properties in relevant Facebook groups. So it's really a, a multifaceted approach to marketing our properties. And we also use StayFi systems so we can oh, get people. Fi. Yep. What are you using for pricing? So we use Price Labs. Um, I think there's this like fallacy that Price Labs is really like set it and forget it. And we we don't believe in that. I actually, I, I love your approach, the uh, enemy method. So we will use that. Um, in conjunction with Air DNA and Price Labs, and we really want to spend a lot of time that first couple months honing in the right price, right? Um, so sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. You know how data sa- uh, scraping software is. It, like my house that I live in, it tells me I can make 250 grand a year on my house, and I can't. It does that because it pulls houses that are on the lake on Canandaigua and uses them as comps for mine that's five miles so it's trust but verify so we use price labs we like it but we are in there multiple times a week manipulating it and shifting it as needed absolutely yep yep see and you're and you nailed it you're you're, obviously you're good at your job for multiple reasons here but i see people all the time that are saying you know i can't i'm not getting bookings and i'm like well how often are you going in and changing your prices you got to do it every day and then i also get people i'd love your opinion on this i get people that like stalk my listings, which is great. I, 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 I would love to be the world's greatest enemy. Okay. I, I want to be the world's greatest enemy, but then they criticize me because I'm, my prices are too low at certain times. And I'm, I've always been, um, an asses in the seats guy. I, I come from long-term. I've got way more long-terms than short-term. Uh, and, and when you've got a long-term rental sitting empty for three months, you know, what happens is, is you come in, you buy a house, and you're like, this thing should rent for $1,500 a month, long-term, right? And you put it up for $1,500 a month, and it sits empty for three months. Why? Because that's not the market. The market is not going to get you that, What? Not, obviously, because it's sitting empty. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't the wrong time of year, because a house in long-term rental is going to rent for a way different number in December than it is in April or May. Uh, I mean, we, 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 we could, could be talking a good 10, 15, 20% difference, really, on a long-term. And then if you, got, if you snag that that lease in, in April for the $200 more or whatever. Um, and, and then, you know, maybe they end up staying for three years. That's a lot of dough over the period of three years for a long-term. And I, I take those principles into short-term, but you know, sometimes if I'm looking at my calendar, I'm like, man, I, I am, uh, I'm a little light right now. So I'll, I've got no problem dipping really kind of way below what I should. And people mm-hmm. are saying, you know, people say stuff like, uh, you, well, you can afford to do that because you didn't pay as much for your property as I did. You've been doing this a long time. And I guess, yeah, there is that. I mean, I, I I can't fault somebody that's brand new for for having a different perspective. But to me, you know, I can't change. You can't change the purchase price. You know, purchase price is right. is, is is really does it's irrelevant. Once you've closed the property, it, forget about it. It's gone. You can't if it's not a variable. I don't care about it. I can change how much I'm renting and how much I'm renting for. So I've got no problem dropping way low. And then, really, what I find there is it get a little juices flowing. And get some people, you know, get a few, three, four, five, boom, boom, boom bookings in a, in a two or three day period. The next thing you know, your prices are even higher than they were before you started because your listing's getting some attention. But anyway, I just wanted to commend you for 
the 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 comment about spending time on price labs because or just pricing in general because to me that is yeah. the most important part of the gig yeah absolutely um i mean we're of the same mind on, on price drops and the people that stalk my listings are typically my very lovely owners that yeah <laughs> so much and appreciate their business but i gotta tease them sometimes because it's just it's funny man like it's like, so, let me know, do my job. <laughs> yeah, some some are super hands-on and some I, I literally haven't talked to in six months. They just collect their paycheck. You know what I mean? And they'll see the prices sometimes and they'll be like, you just gave up our space for $90 a night for four nights. It's like, $90 a night more for four nights than you would have gotten otherwise. And then I can show them through the dead season, like you made $12,000. Mm-hmm. And that's the result of all of these little bookings that by the way, sucked for me as a manager. This was not fun. I'm doing this for you. Oh well, yeah, because those ninety dollars bookings are more. They're more. More. They're more work. Way more work. Yeah, especially given it's winter time and it's just like everything's working against you. So yeah, like again, it's all about those one percent gains, man. And anywhere I can find them, I'm gonna try to get them. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I just it it it, it gets to me sometimes when people say, "Well, you you know." If I rented my property for what you're renting it for, I wouldn't make any money. And I'm just like. I, it doesn't, it doesn't click in my brain like that. To me, all it is is an empty right, spot right. on my calendar and that damn thing needs to get filled. Right. And it's uh, what time of the year are you doing it? What night is it? Like, you know what I mean? It's a total right. out of context statement to even be making. Like, yeah, it's a Tuesday in May. Everybody's in school right now. I'm lucky right. to get, you know, right. I, who cares? Just get the damn thing filled. And right. then, you know, because we're talking, you know, gross income is a period of 365 days. So yeah, maybe one day is only a night made up that $90 number. And then, you know, if you get three or four, five, seven, ninety dollar nights in a row to get your listing some attention and get their algorithms flowing, then next thing you know, you're charging two hundred twenty eight dollars a night or whatever. You know, absolutely, man, absolutely. Uh, so you have any idea what uh, percentage, or just maybe give me a if, if you don't know an actual number, just a, a rough uh, estimate of how much how many bookings are coming from which uh, which platform and or website or Facebook. So again, like we're we're coming up on a year and like. 12 days. May 1st was our launch date last year. I don't intend on working for Airbnb the rest of my life, but right now I work for Airbnb. They don't have me at their 96% market share, whatever they have. I mean, we're probably in the high 80s, but we can already see at certain properties just between the StayFi systems, our direct marketing and social media, our own Facebook groups. Um, we can already see that number going much more in the favor of direct booking next year. I think we could direct book 40 to probably 40% of our guests next year at some of our places, a hundred. Um, but right now, yeah, man, Airbnb has got the lion's share. We do get a lot of verbal bookings. We get the occasional booking.com. Um, but like you said, it's a, it's an, it's not just an annual business, right? And this is the hardest thing to explain to clients and, and investors. Like when you run your numbers, not only do you run your numbers annually, but you need to look at the business, like one year, two year, three year, five year, 10 year, 15 year. Like you have to look out into the future. Like, there's, I don't know anybody that's going to start up a short-term rental tomorrow and just have direct bookings across the board, unless they're spending an exorbitant amount of money on marketing or something like that, or they have an inside with somebody that's feeding them deals. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a lot of that has to do with scale. You know, when you're, especially when you're just an owner operator, you're, do, you're doing your own properties and maybe a, a guy like you, you start bringing in five, 10 other properties. You get to the point, you got a hundred properties um, it, it, it almost doesn't really make any, any sense to use the, the, the platforms anymore because of the, the, the um, large, very large amount of fees you're going to be charging. But it, it's just, again, 
you know, <laughs> how many properties do I need to compete with basically Google I, and Airbnb? These are mega, you're huge. They're the biggest companies in the world. So, you know, you really, I right. think you're probably in the triple digits before you're even beginning to, to kind of get rid of those. And, and that's okay. I mean, I'm very happy given, given uh, Airbnb uh, their cut. I think that uh, honestly, Thank I you. wouldn't, I wouldn't want the job of, of running that company. It seems to be, uh, you know, a lot of work. Um, and, yeah. and, and again, I may be ass, catching some ass here so that my listings don't disappear, but, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to give them their cut. So I think as you grow, I think, you know, I just think as you grow and get bigger and bigger and next thing you know, you got 150 properties, then you probably got, um, uh, maybe some local marketing built hell you could do billboards, you know, and, uh, and, and, and things would probably grow organically on your own website there. Yeah. I mean, I always say that too. Like, I don't have like a, um, I don't have ill will. You see some of these people that's like, they hate Airbnb, they hate verbal. It's like, dude, Airbnb changed my life, man. Absolutely. Like I'm cool with Airbnb. I'm cool with giving them their cut. I keep any deal that gets sourced through Airbnb on that platform. Um, it's just a matter of, again, like growing in the future, there's always going to be a space for them. Like I know a lot of local managers that they have that reputation now and people go to them and direct book. And then they don't list on Airbnb in the off season. Like I'm probably never going to have a thick stack of potential guests for the off season. Just not, I'm always going to need Airbnb for that. Right. So it's just putting it in perspective and using the amalgamation of all these different tools and things together to create the most, you know, efficacious result that we can for our clients. Yeah. I think a lot of that ill will we hear, uh, the, the, the you know, the smack talking, uh, about Airbnb and Verbo and, and the platforms, it, I don't want to get ripped, my head ripped off by anybody for saying this, but I think a lot of times that might be some folks that just don't have a ton of experience because dealing with Airbnb and Verbo is part of the job. And the better you get at that, the, the easier things will be. And when you're brand new, you're like trying to resist the way they do business because you don't like the way that you don't have to make all those phone calls to people that don't know what they're talking about and things. And I get that, but at a certain point, you just have to give in and say, man, this is part of the gig. If I want to be good at this, I need to be, I need to be good at Airbnb. I need to be good at Verbo. And if I'm not, um, I'm probably not going to make it. You know, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. That, and like, obviously the, the review process can be frustrating. Oh. That sucks. I mean, we, we, we've been there. Elaborate on that. Tell me, uh, tell me where uh, your frustrations come from. Yeah, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, the main things that frustrate me, I would say, is like people just not understanding how the rating scale works. Like uh, we got left a two star review at a beautiful Lakeview house in Canandaigua because the lady couldn't figure out how to use the heater in the game room. And she, her, she left a review saying like, well, we couldn't use the game room the whole time because there's no heater, even though we have it in our instructions. And I'm a phone call away, man. We always answer like I'm big on that. Um, guests, clients whoever like if you reach out at the vibe number somebody's going to pick up or get back to you very shortly so that's frustrating like give me an opportunity to fix whatever went wrong like i'll comp you we count people money all the time if i messed up i'm going to own it if it's my responsibility and even even as far as my clients go i'm not going to charge my clients if the cleaning goes wrong that is my responsibility mm -hmm. that falls in the purview of what i'm supposed to be doing this has cost us a thousand dollars we have a, a beautiful house on uh, lake cuca and somebody decided to have a wedding there. We had no idea. And our cleaners showed up. There's a wedding going on. They tried to call us for whatever reason. That day we didn't answer and they left. And then we had a same day check-in. The guests checked in, the house wasn't clean. This is 
October. This is a thousand dollar a night property in October. And we, my business had to pay that thousand dollars out. We didn't charge the client for that. How can I justify that? That's my job. Right. Right. So give me a, a, the same thing with goes to guests. Like give me an opportunity to fix it. Call me. And if I don't, if I don't fix whatever the problem is in a way that makes you happy, leave me the two-star review, but just give me that chance. That, that's the main point of contention I have with the review process. It's from the guest end uh, more than anything. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Okay. I got you, man. Well, man, you're good at this. You're good at this. Yeah. Give me some, do you have any uh, tips or tricks that you do on a daily basis? Uh, I hate to use the, this one as a low hanging fruit, but like a gift basket type situation or anything that you do to go above and beyond. Yeah. It's all relative. Like, so the finger lakes, I, I know I mentioned this before, but one of the things we're known for is wine. I'm not much of a drinker, but I think we make like the best second best Riesling in the world or some crap. Like it, there's wineries all over the finger lakes. So that's what people do when they come out here. A lot of times they go on wine tours. So in season, we leave a bottle of wine uh, some Lindor chocolates, and we'll leave like our uh, little postcard. It says, vibe short-term mental management, reach out if you have any issues. Uh, so we do that. So in the summertime, we'll leave like a $60 basket because that general rule of thumb for a guest favor is 8 to 10% one night ADR. But if you're making 10 grand in a week or whatever, like what's 150 bucks for a five-star review to make somebody happy? Um, so yeah, we do that. Uh, you know, the main thing that I've learned in this business, Luke, is that People want to be heard. And you know what I who I really learned this from? I learned this from freaking Airbnb. Um, because really early on when I started calling them, I would feel better after having that conversation because they do a good job of training their staff on like de-escalation and how to talk to people and listen and paraphrase and say, What is this person upset about? I'm hearing you're upset about this. How can I help? That stuff feels good, you know. So when a guest calls us and they're upset about something. I'm sure that I'm being mindful of taking like a really positive tone, trying to help them, trying to be sympathetic and empathetic to what they're going through. I would say that's our number one thing. That's my number one trick is how are you dealing with people? You know, especially your guests, especially your clients. Like my priority is guests first, clients second, me third. Because if it's not happening in that order, my business isn't going to be a success. My business isn't a success. I'm not going to make money. I'm not a martyr. I want to make money eventually. But <laughs> I need to... I need to offer exemplary customer service before I get to myself if I want to do that. You know, so making sure people are heard and and taking accountability and fixing fixing things. Okay, one thing I want to ask you, uh, and I had him turn off his video if you happen to be watching on YouTube, uh, but uh, because of the choppy internet, but and we apologize for that, guys. It's uh, but fantastic conversation with my man Josh. You you mentioned wine. Um, that that worries me a little. Don't, you don't worry about somebody maybe uh, underage drinking uh, issue going on there. Is there any kind of ID you're getting uh, for the wine, or you, you just don't worry about it? Yeah, no, I do worry about it. It's funny because if you could see my face and video, like I'm smiling ear to ear because we literally just when we started, you know, last summer we didn't have near the amount of properties we have, and we were just starting out, and it was something we were already offering at properties that we own. And we didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. And then like now we're getting ready for, you know, Memorial Day weekend is when season starts in upstate New York. And we're thinking about all these initiatives we want to take. And we had this very conversation we're like, yo, is there any like, what if like a kid comes and like drinks this wine? So we're actually having that conversation with our lawyer as we speak um, and trying to figure out if that's something we're going to do moving forward. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, at one of my properties, there's a liquor, not a liquor store, but it's like a cupcake. And I feel weird that you're not on video now, but it, the connection is much better. Um, yeah. 
I have a cupcake and, and wine shop downstairs from one of my rentals. It's a, a townhouse. And, um, I went in, I went in and I said, you know what, let me, I want to do a free, um, like a, a mini bottle, uh, like a half a bottle of wine and a, one cupcake per person for each of my guests. And I did that for a little while. And then I started, I thought to myself, you know, uh, I just, even though they, it's an actual liquor store with a liquor license and they have to ID these people, um, to get, you know, the bottle uh, that, that was for me I, in the past, I would never put a bottle of wine in the, in the property. I thought that that was just a bad idea. I used to own a bar. So I, you know, for many, many years, uh, I've been trained to, to think and to know that somebody without an ID drinking alcohol is a horrible idea. And so it's always, I've been paranoid about that ever since. I mean, I, I owned a bar when I was like 25 and, uh, which is a whole nother story. So I said, let me try this and see, because they're going to be IDing these people for me. And then I still got a little paranoid. And I said, you know what, if something crazy happens where, they go drink this half a bottle of wine and then they go end up in the hot tub and something terrible happens. Uh, I just don't feel that comfortable there. But in your case, you know, I would love for you to see you be able to figure out a way to make that work because it is such a different experience. You know, a lot of folks are probably coming just for the wine to your area, you know? So um, I, I do hope you can figure out something there because I think you're doing the right thing. Um, and, uh, you know, just don't want to be worried about that. I, I always worry about that under underage or, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's definitely something to be concerned about. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, uh, okay, cool. So, uh, gift basket with wine. That's, that's awesome. Uh, any other tips and tricks on the way out the door? So I'm trying to think, I'm just like looking through some of my notes. So really I would say the main initiative again, like innovator die, man. Um, we, it is 2023. This is a 2023 company. And I'm not going to get stuck in old best practices. There's going to be new best practices every season. One of the best practices I'm very focused in on is how to offset that off-season lull. And I've really loved midterm rentals. Um, we have midterm rentals in uh, Rochester that, you know, it's a five-unit townhouse that's like solely midterm rentals in the off-season, does great. We have lake houses that we do room sharing in in the off-season. So that's kind of like my last trick is just finding ways between price dumps and um, doing midterm rentals or whatever other tricks you have to really, again, get asses in the seat in the off season and do what you can to just, just sustain costs, sustain operating costs. And then when season comes, you hit them hard. Love it. Love it, man. Uh, you have a uh, book recommendation for me. That is anything you've read recently or just something off the top of your head that uh, you can throw? I'm a huge book guy, and I'd love to add it to my library. Hmm. I already mentioned Atomic Habits. I love Atomic Habits. I love The Alchemist. Oh, well, I mean, come on. That's, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a basic bitch. I'm like, <laughs> well, but, I mean, Tom, The Alchemist is a weird one for me because it's not, um, it's not a business book, but it's you know, I think it's fiction really, you know, but, uh, it's, it's just, man, it's, it's like the white album, you know, it's like the Beatles white album of books. It's just, it, you can't even describe how amazing it is. And so if, if somebody's well, listening and is not familiar with that book, uh, I remember everything about that book. I remember when it was recommended to me, I was on the beach in Ca the Cayman islands. I sound like such a spoiled, uh, you know, like a, uh, and, and my wife was pregnant, uh, with our first, our first child and, uh, and 
sitting there reading and, and the lady a little ways down from us was reading that book and, and, and my wife was familiar with it and they started having a conversation about it and I'd never heard of it. And the reason I, 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 I even bring this up is because I don't remember a lot of things. I have a terrible memory, but that book had such a, an effect on me um, that I, I, I vividly remember like why it was even brought into my life. Um, and, uh, and so that, that I, again, can't say enough great things about that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, I'm basic, but 48 laws of power. I mean, it's a little psychopathic, but I hate never split the difference. I think it's terrible, but 48 laws of power. I really like, uh, because I'm a history major. That's my background. I, I have a master's in teaching and a degree in history. So anytime you can bring history into the lesson, I'm going to be a fan. I agree on that one. Huge book. Uh, that 48 laws of power is a weird one because, uh, it is so freaking long. Um, and it's, oh, I love it. and, and it's weird. It's by Robert Greene. And, and the cool thing about that one is you can just sit that at your nightstand and pick it up and read any given paragraph and get some really good, uh, you know, uh, uh, insight for your day, basically. Um, so it doesn't have to be like a power through read this entire eight billion chapter book. Um, uh, it's, you can just pick it up and read little little chunks of it here and there. So, OK, cool, man. Well, how do we find you uh, if anybody's interested in, in using you as a property manager? We got Vibe and, and how do we find you? Yeah, so uh, vibestrmanagement.com. I would definitely say join the Facebook groups, Upstate New York Airbnb Investors.com. Uh, or I'm sorry, Upstate New York Airbnb Investors. I'll be sharing this once it's released on the Facebook group. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not too difficult to find either the, the website of the group will get you to me. We're also doing a glamping seminar in the foothills of the Adirondacks in August. So join the group, to find out more about that. Very cool, man. Rock and roll. I appreciate you, man. And uh, everybody uh, listening, anyone happen to be listening to short-term rental management, please don't overthink it.